Uh, we're going to count it down. Three, two, one. Welcome once again to the Managing Expectations podcast, a production of Pacific Century Media. I'm Jeff Winger. I'm your host. With me, as is often the case, is my aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Hi, Brian. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. How are, how are things in the Mile High City? Uh, things are fine. Things are just fine. And uh, the sun is out. And uh, no one else is. So what else do you want? <laughs> it's psychologically relevant that the sun is shining, I grant you. It is. Managing Expectations is the podcast uh, where uh, we don't want you to uh, get your hopes up. Uh, we uh, we uh, uh, want to put on a very fine podcast for you and uh, hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk about interesting people and interesting things, really the things that make interesting people interesting. And so with us today on Managing Expectations is a very special friend of the podcast, uh, Chris Levine. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Just short of fantastic, buddy. Okay. <laughs> we um, uh, uh, really, uh, my conversation with Chris has been one of the highest rated episodes so far. Yeah. So uh, Chris uh, is a, is a, fantastically interesting fellow from originally from Southern California, um, publisher of many uh, uh, books of essays on, on music and uh, musicians. So uh, looking forward to having uh, him back on, uh, kind of threw this together uh, while sheltered in place. So um, what do, uh, fellas, what are you listening to right now? Not right now, right now, but uh, you know what? What's on your playlist? What are you? What are you into? You guys start. Well, I asked the question, Brian. What are you listening to? What's on your podcast? <laughs> though, though, Brian really can has the ability to choke uh, when when put on the spot. But that's why we manage expectations. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my playlist. Hang on, I got a couple of them. Okay. I have got. Oh, you know what I've I've located a lot of that I that I really liked on Spotify is like '60s garage music, garage bands. Um, they have tons of that stuff on Spotify, like things that would have been like rare 45s and stuff like that. Sure. They have playlists of nothing but, that. and that's been pretty. That's lately I've been listening to a lot of that. Have you ever listened to Little Steven's Underground Garage? Yes. So yes, you, music like that uh, is yeah, what you're listening to on Spotify. Yeah, or like you know the the Nuggets collection and stuff like that. Absolutely, it, it's all in that. Yeah, it's all in that in that genre. For some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, that's it appeals to me at the moment. Yeah, no, that stuff's great. I uh, I just listened to uh, I just uh, found a song called uh, Farmer John. Um, mm -hmm. I love your daughter. Uh, I don't even know who sings it. Um, uh, one that I was in a 
introduced to many years ago was uh, Double Shot of My Baby's Love by the Swingin' Medallions. Nice. By, by the way, the Swingin' Medallions is like the coolest name for a band I ever... I mean, would you rather be a Swingin' Medallion or a member of the Silver Bullet Band? <laughs> That's a good question. No. I think I'm yeah. going to have to swing the medallions. Brian, did that give you enough time to make something up? <laughs> to, go yeah, grab, <laughs> to go grab your daughter's iPad? <laughs> The Swingin' Medallion sounds like Mr. T's favorite band. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm trying to imagine Mr. T listening to music. <laughs> What's that like? Yeah, he didn't seem like a music guy. No, no. He doesn't seem like a... He, now, now, Mr. T had a really bad rap album in the 1980s that came out. You can find it on YouTube. But apart from that, I just can't imagine him listening to, like, putting on headphones over his mohawk, <laughs> sinking back into a nice easy chair and listening to, like, the Commodores. I just can't see it. He's probably an earbuds guy because of the mohawk. I'm <laughs> thinking. <laughs> uh you think he'd be a Commodores guy? See, I, I could almost like listen, see him listening to like metal. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Like Motorhead. Yeah, like like I was thinking Deep Purple, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, Justin Bieber's had to cancel his uh, summer tour. Brian. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. I'm. I'm really um, hoping that I get a refund and not a rain check, but I'm still working with Ticketmaster on that, so we'll see. Um, okay, so I'll keep you I, posted. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. We should we should update the blog daily. Right. right. Bieber held hostage day two. <laughs> so um okay well i was let's see i was uh you, you know how um well maybe you don't but sometimes if you go to like a therapist a special doctor they have like this like sound machine outside their door that that's like uh, a whooshing sound or it's like waves or something just so people can't like eavesdrop um through the door so wow. my wife, I, I didn't know if you guys knew that. Well, uh, yeah, mine didn't. <laughs> mine just let everybody listen. Did you just close the door at all? Yeah, they closed the door, but but you know there was no wind machine like you're describing. <laughs> well, it wasn't like a Tawny Katan music video wind machine. <laughs> Wow, fellas, have you seen her? Like, she's had, like, a ton of work done, and she doesn't, I mean, seriously, she doesn't look like a person anymore. It, it's that shocking that a video vixen from the 80s didn't age well. Yeah. Crack. Crack. You'd think <laughs> that cocaine would have helped. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I see you two are hitting it off. 
And now, <laughs> this is working out all right. And now I'm, uh, I'm the butt of your jokes. Okay, look, I was just feeling sympathy for poor Tawny Catan. Anyway, uh, not a wind machine like that. But anyway, I was having a conversation with my wife, and I had some Beethoven on just to cover in case anyone wanted to listen in. Gotcha. <laughs> Since, because we were talking about the person who might want to listen in. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, sheltering in place. So, um... Uh, I I actually started a COVID um, playlist. Uh, let me see, uh, which um, let's see, um, Lone Justice after the flood, uh, Reuben Blades, The Calm Before the Storm, Jackson Brown before the Deluge. I heard he has it. Jackson Brown, yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, well, I mean, lot, lots of people are gonna before it's over with. Um, sorry. Um, Is that ice cream truck? Take it easy, man. That's Herb <laughs> Albert in the Tijuana Brass, and if you've got a cooler ringtone than that, I would like to hear it. Hang on. I bet he does. I'm just looking at the record collection behind him, and I bet he does. <laughs> I've, I've got uh, oh, what's the name of the song? It's I've got I'm always available by Frank Sinatra, but uh, it's a lie. Always available. No, that's pretty good. Um, Brian and I just heard. Tell the Dennis Miller story with uh, so so Dennis Miller just told the story on his podcast, and I don't know if. This is like probably the very um, uh, definition of, I mean, like we're stealing from other podcasts, but this is this is a great story about Sinat Dennis Miller having dinner with Sinatra. Brian, you got this? Yeah, I got it. I'm, I I can't re remember the the comedian friend that uh, that was the connector. Either way, it's, that's not really important, but. Um, Dennis Miller had a, a friend that was playing, that was opening for Sinatra in Las Vegas, and asked uh, Dennis Miller to to come watch him and maybe even meet Sinatra. And so uh, he goes to the show, and he says, "Hey, do you want to come up and have dinner with us afterwards?" And he says, "Yeah, are you kidding me? Why not?" And so they, he says, so the, he gets into this. Round I, gold elevator. Oh yeah, you got to introduce some. Can I, can I just? Some of the players. Well, yeah. So Dennis Miller's wife was was sick. Uh, she was heavy with child, but um, uh, Miller's mom and <laughs> their nanny, uh, a Filipina named Koi Koi, went. So so that's the Miller entourage. Okay, Koi Koi. Mama Miller and Dennis Miller, Brian. <laughs> so they, so they, uh, they go into this gold round elevator, and it's like they have like the VIP section, the VVIP section, the Pope, the Pope's floor, and then the chairman of the board's room. And so they go all the way up to the top of this thing, and uh, he goes in there, and there's 
just a handful of people, but there's two bodyguards standing behind Frank, and he says, and these are like two Luca Brasi type guys. <laughs> and so everybody thinks that uh, Koi Koi uh, is Dennis Miller's wife. And so Dennis Miller's not really ready to like share that part of it, but it's just kind of in awe of the whole situation. And so Koi Koi, during dinner, she uh, pulls out an autograph book and holds it underneath the table and gets Dennis Miller's attention. And he's like, are you kidding me? You're going to break out a, an autograph book like right now in front of everybody? And uh, he's trying to play it cool, but you know, dinner goes on. And afterwards, everybody goes to say uh, thank you to Frank. And the mom goes first. And he, Jeff, he said some joke to... Well, yeah, she says... Uh... Mr. Sinatra, I just want to say, when I was a girl, I saw you in Pittsburgh at the Stanley Theater in like 1954, and it was great, and you were just terrific, and I've just been a fan ever since. And he goes, uh, Pittsburgh, 54, yeah, you were uh, on the left side of the stage that night, baby. You were looking good. <laughs> How great is that? <laughs> And so then, and then uh, Dennis Miller goes up and says, "Hey, you know, you've been you've been a gracious host. We really appreciate this. It's been an excellent evening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much." And then Koi Koi goes up and uh, says, "Thank you," and then gives him the autograph book. And Dennis Miller is just like freaking out, and he just turns his back and he's walking away. He says, "He says Frank was being nice about it." He says, "Okay, so who do I make this out to?" She says, Koi Koi. And he says, K? C? What? Bodyguards goes, it's a K, Frank. It's a Koi Koi. Koi Koi, Frank. It's a K. And so, uh, so, so Frank signs it, and the afterwards they're walking out, and Dennis Miller looks at the autograph book. And he uh, opens it up and it says, To Sopo, best wishes, Frank. <laughs> and so uh, her name was Sopo for, uh, from then on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever read uh, the writers that he would have, like for backstage, what he wanted in the back rooms and stuff like that? No. I, I used to be fascinated by that. I look it up for all different bands and stuff like that. His was like he wanted he wanted a piano backstage, like in his in his dressing room. He wanted ex- basically all of the exclusive liquor that you could possibly imagine, you know, in his own little bar. And then it said a roll of assorted flavor lifesavers. Just one roll. Just one roll. Just one roll. And then I looked up BB King, and his said, "This is a direct quote: nothing." He didn't want anything. <laughs> he wanted to get in and get out. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what's the rest of your playlist? Well, before we go on with writers, I mean, so I had heard, and maybe you can illuminate some on this. Um, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that... Like Van Halen didn't want green M and M's. It was 
inserted to make sure that everybody's lawyers were doing all the necessary reading so that because if a knucklehead thing like green M&Ms is honored then big stuff would be honored I mean is that your understanding or is it just that Van Halen wanted knucklehead stuff no I, I think that you're, 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 you're almost there um not that it matters, but they were brown. Um, <laughs> Don't you ever disagree with me on the on the managing expectations <laughs> podcast again? What it was was they would have really really heavy stuff on the stage. Their stacks and their stage setup and everything was really really heavy, and a lot of these places they were going to couldn't support the weight of it. And so what they did was they put that toward the beginning of the rider. And if they noticed that the that the concert arena or whoever it was didn't take those out, they wouldn't go on stage because they wouldn't necessarily feel safe because they probably didn't take all the precautions for the stage not to fall through. So that's that's the version that I have heard, but I don't know if it's correct. Okay. Now that sounds I buy it. Brian? Rebuttal? Uh yeah, it sounds great. I uh Yeah. You were, you were Googling what color M&M's, weren't you? Weren't you? Uh, hey, listen. I was. And, uh, and Chris is right. <laughs> of course he's right. No. You know another good one? Another good one was uh, the Stooges or Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. It's, one of the things on, on, on their rider was we would like a limo driver that speaks good English and isn't afraid of death. <laughs> but they that they were serious about that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with how heavy the stage equipment was. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, that that one speaks for itself. Uh that yeah. That's that's funny. Um No, you you know any more? I mean, oh. like did you like research uh, these on your own or is there a book on this it was on the blog a million years ago oh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head that, I'll keep thinking while we're talking that is Chris's Eclectic Blogs um, website that was gone too soon gone too soon Okay, everybody's waving to somebody except me. That's telling. <laughs> you were pointing to somebody earlier, but... Um, so, uh, yeah, so... Um, I, I don't really feel... Uh, let's see. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, Brian and I actually talked about this. Um uh, there's actually uh, my COVID nineteen playlist is actually kind of heavy with Bob Dylan. Um, I got Mrs. Winger to sit through uh, Martin Scorsese's No Direction Home uh, documentary, and uh, it is as good as I thought it was. Really, it brought him up from being a twenty year old wunderkind um, to. Uh, uh, going electric um, at Newport and having people just 
scream epithets at him. Um, I, I, uh, and, and my wife was surprised to learn, uh, that he wrote, uh, Blowing in the Wind. I think she maybe thought it was, uh, uh, traditional, you know, folk ballad, but, you know, to, to my way of thinking, I mean, just the, I mean, he, he got so, I, I think he became a better writer when he went electric. Brian and I talked about this some, I think, last time, because we were talking about Hurricane um, for another reason. Uh, and not not to um, go over the same geography twice, but um, there's a word in Hurricane that would be surprising, I think, to Starbucks executives if they knew that it was in there and it was um, uh, being being played in in such a uh, bourgeois establishment. You know that he just put out a single? I Yes. Did you listen to it? No, not yet. It's, I read that it was supposed to be about uh, the JFK murder. Well, it's supposed to be, but it's actually about everything that happened from 1946 on so I, I, I was about to i was about to say chris has had a pretty busy schedule i don't think he's had the time to listen to it. <laughs> no. it's probably long most of his songs are long so well it's 17 and change but no I, it- I i i did a whole rant i did a whole entire screen on it because i think it's i mean i think it's a slower more ponderous version of We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> I can see that. I have to check it out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm prepared for people to disagree with me. Emphatically, no, I... but I just, I, you know. Um, um, so, so anyway, got Mrs. Winger to watch, um, you know what, you know what, I bet, I bet I could get her to watch The Last Waltz again. Because one of are you guys familiar with the last waltz? Yeah, the band, right? The band. So, a, a, the group of guys who ended up backing Dylan through the late '60s into the early '70s, right? I mean, he, well, I guess they did their own thing, and then Dylan like really didn't tour for a while, and then. Uh, then he put together the Rolling Thunder review. So the band is like Robbie Robertson, it's LaVon Helm on drums and vocals, uh, Rick Danko, um, is, I mean, kind of a sad, like, like more than a couple of those guys killed themselves. So, um, kind of bummer stories um uh but uh levon levon helm sang the weight and the night they drove old dixie down and up on cripple creek and um so when i was a kid um i wanted to see the no nukes movie and but like i couldn't drive yet so i must have been 15 still when it came out and um, 
Um, my mom got a guy that she worked for, a guy in his 20s, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take him to see it. So we went on a Saturday afternoon, and we watched the No, no Nukes, and, I mean, Springsteen did... Um, he, he did... Uh, the Detroit medley, the Mitch Ryder, a Devil with the Blue Dress medley. He did the River, which knocked my socks off. And he did uh, Quarter to Three, which is a Gary U.S. Bonds oldie. Uh, and then he, it, it's interesting, is an oldie. I mean, it was like probably from, what, what do you think, Quarter to Three by Gary U.S. Bonds, mid-60s, early, early to mid-60s? Sounds about right. So there was like 15 years between that and I'm talking about a thing that happened um, 40 years ago. So uh, Springsteen's an oldie now. Uh, anyway, um, I also like Jackson Brown, but there were, you know, but then there was also like John Hyatt of Orleans <laughs> who, who nobody really pines away for. Bonnie Raitt, I don't know. You know, uh, some guys. But anyway, I like Jackson Brown. I like... Uh, Springsteen, Springsteen a lot, but then it was a double feature, and so the the movie after the No Nukes movie was The Last Waltz, which it turns out was directed by Martin Scorsese, and it was the last um, live performance of the band, and like there were tons of guest uh uh, guest stars, uh, uh, the, sta the state, uh, Mavis Staples and the Staples singers, um, uh, Van Morrison, um, um, uh, Neil Diamond. Uh, so anyway, I just, you know, they, they would like do a song of their own and then they'd like do a song with somebody else. And it was fantastic. And they, they, um, uh, they would like tell these stories like they talked about playing in like Jack Ruby's club in Dallas you know once when there was like nobody, nobody there but like three guys and a one-legged hooker or something I, I mean it was it was it was wild so um, so we um, but but I heard for the first time that day, the night they drove Old Dixie down, and I think it, it's it, it's one of those songs where it's like, I haven't heard anything like this in my entire life. It's so powerful, just the way the, the singing and the music came together um, lyrically. You know, I'm not a guy who's uh, particularly sympathetic with the Southern perspective and the Civil War. Um, but that song just, just killed me. Fast forward probably 30 years, I bring it home and I'm, I'm, I've got it on, on a winter's night. This is when we were in Kansas City. Mrs. Mrs. Winger's like, I don't know, she was reading a book or sewing or doing something, but she was on the sofa and we're watching, you know, she's in the room with me while I'm watching it. The night they play, the, the night they drove Old Dixie down comes on, and she like looks up from what she's doing, and she starts paying attention, and she's like, "What is this?" And it was like this m wonderful moment of bonding when it's like, "Wow, we're really, 
simpatico here because this same song killed us, you know, together, you know, each at, at the first time we heard it. I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, maybe I'll watch The Last Waltz. I don't know. I saw that, but I saw that a long time ago, and I don't... I, I remember liking it, but it's been a very long time since I've seen it. Yeah, it it was um uh uh you know it's certainly it's certainly worth checking out. It's certainly worth worth watching. Um we um um it's funny, you know <laughs> you know, they're like Van the Man Robbie Robertson's like so excited that like Van Morrison is there and Van Morrison comes out. I think they did Caravan he blows the roof off the place and then he couldn't get off the stage fast enough. He was utterly contemptuous of everyone and everything. Came out, was awesome, and I'm out of here. Wasn't, wasn't the No Nukes one the one where uh, they were they were talking, I don't know if it, was, if it was in the movie or if it was just him talking about it, but Tom Petty was, he was on that, wasn't he? I think I don't know, he might have been. Was but, he? But, he said that you know when they were playing the show, that his people told him, when you go out there, you're going to think people are booing you, but they're not booing you. They're saying Bruce, and he's like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Hey, I found another writer. You want to hear one? Yeah. Real short. Sure. James James Brown. Okay. James Brown needed. A hooded hair dryer and an oxygen tank. Uh, that's it. I'm out. I'm out. I can't top that one. Were they independent of one another? Or, or was it an elaborate apparatus? Uh, that sounds like it might be a little like. Flam like a fire danger. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Did was there anything about fire? You know, fire extinguishers. No, I, I, I don't remember that. That was in twenty five feet. <laughs> I only use pure oxygen. To to, what what would the product be that James Brown would get his hair so pompadoured? Are you are you shaking your head like that because you don't know or because I shouldn't ask? <laughs> I'm I'm shaking my head because uh, I'm not wading into that discussion. <laughs> well, I don't know if it would be better with with pure oxygen. That was all I'm I'm just asking. Probably VO five is probably. <laughs> Does anybody remember Prell? Yes. <laughs> remember it or still use it? Do they... <laughs> Prell was like, was around the same time as Tab, wasn't it? Uh, I think, I think Tab was in existence up until the early 80s when they actually figured out that if we call this Diet Coke, 
it will sell better than Tab. Uh, my mom drank Tab, uh, and I don't remember what it tasted like. Um, I don't either. I mean, it was around. I mean, I'm sure I've had one, but um, there's no reason to assume I enjoyed it. That was that was that was what was originally called patio on um, Mad Men when uh, the one where Sal um, directed the Anne Margaret Bye Bye Birdie thing. Bye Bye Sugar. Yeah, right. That's what she sang, and he couldn't figure out why it didn't work. And was it Don who said it's because it's not Anne Margaret? Mm-hmm. Or is it Roger? It, it's got to be Don. Yeah, I think it was Don. Yeah. yeah. And Peggy hated it. I. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, so. so Tab and Prell. Do, they don't. They don't. You can't possibly still get Prell, can you? I don't think. I don't think so. But I know. I. I think that my parents like did like a power buy of Prell at uh, Pace Shoppers Warehouse. I remember Pace. It was before Sands. Yeah. 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 Pace was way ahead of its time. Yeah. Just the, the world wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. For five for five gallons of shampoo at one. <laughs> instead of a bottle, instead of a bottle, you like ladle it out. <laughs> That's funny. I had heard there was a bit in um, Arrested Development. There were two different. Okay, so so if we can agree that the that, that there's like Crest toothpaste. And then, like, would Colgate be number two, right? Or what? What would number two be after Crest? Yeah, probably Colgate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then, then there were there was one called Glisten, and then there was another one, and there was a bit in Arrested Development where the dad liked only would use one of these other two brands and so like they tried to get the rights to one and couldn't get the rights to the other one like they wanted to get the rights to glisten but couldn't so they went with the other one and i and this would be a better story if i could remember the other the you guys aren't coming up with like an also ran 70s toothpaste uh, oh, i want what? Aquafresh? No, I don't. I think it's what you get when you can't get Aquafresh. Oh. So I keep I, thinking AIM. AIM. That's a good one. Yeah. Again, that's 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 that, that's Aquafresh level, and I mean this is like a good step down <laughs> from from that. Uh, think worse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know what makes it better or worse. I mean, you know, it's like apparently it's probably all about flossing and then, you know, your advertising budget. 
It's all made in the same place, probably. Where's that, Brian? The, the toothpaste factory. <laughs> so, um, did you guys ever hear the story? I can't, I don't know how much of the story I can actually tell. Um, we were in Portland and things weren't great. Uh, it was clear that things were not going well for us in Portland and it was time to start considering um uh retreat you know declare declare victory and leave okay but in the meantime <clears throat> i get a subpoena for jury duty and um uh you know i'm of i'm of two minds on jury duty uh you know i i uh i i'm not you know, though uh, benefiting from many of the protections of a small D Democratic system and a small R Republican system, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about 12 people coming up with a decision on a thing, you know. So did a lot of research about it and I called respectable people and I made a decision and I, I really liked the way uh, a friend of mine put it, um, if, uh, you know, the, the and, I, and I thought that this was a very mature and responsible approach to citizenship. The state is asking for your help in making a decision. If you can help, you should do so. If you can't, you'll have to take the consequences for that. Okay. So I go and it's a civil trial. And uh, the, some of the some of the best parts are actually Mrs. Winger's reactions to me being sat on a jury. By the way, I I dressed up, and I think that that was a mistake. I, I like wore a jacket and tie like a responsible citizen, and I think that that's a bad way to go. I think that if you wear a hat that says "Kill 'em all" and let God decide, your chances are better of not getting seated but um i uh if 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 in fact that is your goal there's a line from the west wing it's like look serve on the jury don't serve on the jury but if you don't serve on the jury you don't get to complain about the oj verdict <laughs> so so uh we so so i get seated on this jury and the deal was a guy had bought a lawnmower from fred meyer which in the Pacific Northwest, so from like Fred Meyer is is huge, and they may actually even be owned by Kroger at this point, um, but it's 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 similar to like H E B in Texas, or like um, a, a Super Walmart that has groceries and stuff, um, you know, a Super Target, something like that. So, but it's like it's not like that's the exception that's how a Fred Meyer is so uh, you know Oregon Washington Idaho and Vancouver I think so um, the guy buys a, a lawnmower and he has a couple beers and he's putting it together and you know it's all folded up in a box 
and as he's pulling the handle out and it snaps into place he gets his fingertip in one of the snap points on the handle and it essentially cuts his fingertip off i mean like just like the tip of the bone and just the tip of the finger and the nail and it's like just hanging by like the skin okay Ouch. now yeah okay yeah that would hurt but the guy was <laughs> the guy was saying well the instructions didn't tell me to not put my finger there so <laughs> so uh that was the essence of the case now there's some very interesting things that came from this uh none of which make me more of a believer now in a jury of my quote peers uh, and you and you got dressed up for this. <laughs> That's right. I shaved for this. <laughs> so, do you remember the story of of the uh, the lady who sued McDonald's because the coffee was hot and she spilled it on herself? I do. When I first heard that story, I thought, well, there's an opportunist. You know, I mean, she knew the coffee and blah blah blah. But you know. And you're going to think I'm being silly, but I'm dead serious. Not that long ago, I went to McDonald's and got a cup of coffee. And I put the little plastic stir in the coffee. The thing melted. Come on. <laughs> it melted in the coffee. Come I'm on. Was, it came out like like all, like all like totally closed and like in the, in the shape of a J. <laughs> now, I don't know if that was just an isolated thing, but but... If that's the coffee that landed on this woman, then then you know I she's kind of turned me around, you know. <laughs> are you are you sure it was the temperature, and not the contents? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was scary. It was like, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's like James Bond's urine. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like the, the dip, dip from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> okay. I knew I knew a lawyer at the time that that came out. He said that that most of that was punitive. Most of the settlement was punitive because the because essentially the jury in that case didn't like McDonald's attitude, which. I would assume was very similar to mine, which is, oh, are you surprised that you got hot coffee? <laughs> Still, Chris, if you if you got uh, coffee so hot that it enabled you to well, no, no, bend no, I, plastic I to your will, that's practically <laughs> like a heat vision. I'm just saying that had I been on the jury prior to that incident, I would have had a completely different opinion than if I would have been on the jury after that incident. So it would all have been the timing. And, and I think that I'm just speaking to your point of when you take 12 people and stick them in a room to decide what's going to happen, there's too many variables. You know, I mean, there's too many, too many preconceived things based on whatever they've gone through. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I, I think that it's, it's, it's nice that it's there. It's worse sometimes other places, but I, 
but I, but I, uh, yeah, I for sure. I, I, I could have, I could have been called for jury duty in like Iran. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't think, I don't think the, the lawnmower pinching the guy's finger would have made it to a jury in Iran. Uh, we're not elevating any any political system over another in the managing expectations podcast, but certainly in, not in keeping with in keeping with the theme of managing expectations. Um, there's what you expect in an American uh, courtroom, and what you expect in courtrooms in other places, right? Like, you know, again, I mean, it's like, well, in the Western world, you're kind of like, it's like, well, it's Coke or Pepsi. So, you know, pick one. But in other places, it's like strained camel urine. So. So what happened? What? Uh... Okay, well, the, the reason I started telling the story, you said that essentially your your conspiracy theory is that all toothpastes are made by the same company which is probably why we're going to go out of business we're going to get sued by the makers of crest their lawyers will crush by us big toothpaste <laughs> big paste big paste is going to come in and say no 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 absolutely not. cease and desist here, let me manage your expectations. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it turns out that, as a matter of fact, practically all the lawnmowers sold in the Western world are made by the same company. To, to slightly different specifications or whatever, and they just put different stickers on the side. So if you buy one at Fred Meyer or if you buy one at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever the chances are you're getting something in the ballpark of what everybody else in the world's getting so uh they um so so there was the plaintiff there was his attorney who was like a little fellow in an ill-fitting suit who looked kind of not together and then you had, uh, like, an executive with Fred Meyer. You had a Fred Meyer um, uh, attorney. And you had, <laughs> I swear this is true. <laughs> Brian, did you want to bust in? Who was, who was John Voight? What was the character John Voight played in The Rainmaker? What was his name? I don't know. The Southern, the southern, the southern lawyer represented that health insurance company uh i can't remember i don't know first of all all the jim Gr john grisham movies are the same to me great which is why i've only seen one uh, i saw the one where like matthew mcconaughey's house burns down and then the next morning he's sitting in the rubble of it like contemplating life but i think it would still be hot and I don't think that the fire department would let him go be contemplative there. Um, the, fire, the fire department didn't tell me I couldn't sit there. Are you taking the McConaughey line? No, he's just 
He's probably trying to sue him. I had no idea it'd be hot. <laughs> Chris is going to tell a story about how he really got turned around on sitting in a... <laughs> <laughs> in an ash you <laughs> So, so so the third guy at the defense table was an engineer and he was hand to god german they brought in a german engineer so like we've got the werner von braun of of lawnmowers <laughs> sitting in defense of and 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 their position was if we Okay, there are, there are some things on a lawnmower that can hurt you. It's a serious piece of lawn equipment. You want to use care. And if, we're, if we put in warnings to keep your fingers out of places that are by design to snap in together hard, it waters down the rest of the legitimate um, warnings and advisories. Yeah, yeah. What what would have happened when the whole thing was put together? <laughs> like if the guy hurt himself snapping together the handle, he was gonna he was gonna lop his arm off by the time that thing was completely assembled. So, so, yeah, he was a pretty compelling. Okay, so my thing is this. All right, and maybe you guys have similar stories. Um, did you guys ever have to cut the grass for your? Mom and dad at the house. Did you, Brian, Chris? Uh, yeah, every weekend. Okay. And what, did you wear work boots when you did this? No. What What did you wear? Uh, Flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Probably. I see. At least I wore tennis shoes. But here's my thing. Okay, and, and of course I am older than you guys. But I mean. There's lawnmowers in the 70s. Can you imagine, can you even imagine how much safer a lawnmower is today than a generation ago, right? I mean, and not just the stickers to the effect of don't put your fingers or toes underneath here because it is a whirling blade of death. Right. I mean, and this is what engineers do. And this is why I, th I was impressed by the, the, the Warner Von Braun. I, I thought th this is the engineers don't make the world like way better in like some great leap forward. They make it better uh, uh, an angstrom at a time, a fraction of an inch at a time. And, you know, and, and, and the things that I used to cut the grass with compared to then, and this would have been the late 90s in Portland. Um, you know, we're, we're so, and, and that was my point. And that, and, that, and that was my point. And that's why I'm like, I don't think this guy deserves money because he cut his finger off. I'm sorry. And um, uh, did, did 11 of your peers agree with you? Um. Ten of my peers agreed. Nine or ten. I mean, so uh, we award we we did not award the jury did not award for the plaintiff 
uh, they I don't know what the you know we we supported the the what defendant I guess um, there were you know it was Portland so I mean you know there was like there were a couple flower children um, who thought you know he should have got free money but you know anyway it went a different way one of the guys they actually wanted to make me um uh uh what do they call not the chairman the, uh, foreman, the foreman foreman cause you, yeah cuz you had a cuz you had a tie on it <laughs> it was a bow tie <laughs> that should that should have you know that should have excluded me as some sort of <laughs> pinko so <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, so, uh, I'm like, fellas, I'm going to have enough trouble when I get home without being the, uh, foreman. So I'm going to beg off on this one. And it, it went to this, uh, uh, mail carrier and he was a really sensible guy, you know, kept order, let everybody talk. We talked things through. It almost went for the guy's way, but then it swung back the other way. It was kind of interesting, but fellas, I'm here to tell you when it's my time, I just... Just give me a hang and judge. Let's just get it over with. Please don't make me stand before, you know, 12, you know, knuckleheads who, you know, wanted Steve Walsh instead of Troy Aikman. <laughs> who won't be dressed very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing an I'm with stupid t-shirt. <laughs> all right so so uh um wow we are i don't know how you you guys doing okay on time no sure. no yeah no we're gonna we're up we're up against a hard stop and that's fine okay. there's stuff to do i uh um uh this is uh this is good um our sponsor, All in a Dream uh, Comics and Books in Denver, Colorado, is a small business and uh, may uh, be having some tough times. I tried calling earlier in the day and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but um, uh, these, are, these are wild times, but uh, I know the two of you are working and uh, my uh, short-term medical disability is... Uh, drawing to a conclusion we'll see how it goes after this and um um i don't know um you guys what are you reading any you reading anything uh just the news it's uh it's been interesting enough yeah you feeling good about that <laughs> yeah I, mean, I keep hoping for a different story the next day but it's pretty much all the same <laughs> So, so, um, I'd been, I'd been, uh, alternating between two books. A woman, uh, a woman named Gina Collada wrote a book called, uh, Flu about the 1918 epidemic, um, which is very, very interesting, um, in that it's huge. It killed more people than the First World War, and yet outside 
a few groups, nobody really talks about it. I mean, I paid it. I loved history in school, and I paid attention, and they they didn't really teach it. I mean, it was a huge deal, right? But, um, you know, I mean, you kind of gotta like want. I mean, you kind of gotta be looking for it to to find out anything about it. Then, um, uh, and I'm alternating that with and the band played on by uh, Randy Schultz uh, about the AIDS epidemic. And and I'll tell you the reason why that's so interesting is because it gives you insight into the National Institutes of Health and um, uh, the CDC, the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, the CDC seems like guys who are really trying to uh, shut stuff down but are often limited by political resources. So... Um, and obviously the the AIDS crisis in the 80s and into the 90s was um, did have political uh, motivations and ramifications but man Schultz is great I mean he as a he uh, Schultz who actually in due course succumbed to um, AIDS himself uh, was gay he was a, uh, but as a journalist, he was unflinching, and I mean, he he looked at uh, the bathhouse culture in San Francisco, and just like nobody wanted to shut him down. There were business interests. There was uh, there was a sense among the gay community, no, 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 you're not going to put us back in the closet. And um, Schultz is as uncompromising in looking at that as he is the Reagan. Reagan administration response of well it's it's not really affecting our sort of people so um, you know uh, anyway I, I, I thought since the CDC the NIH uh, are, are both in the news today I think um, and the band played on is is uh, re- relevant and let's mm-hmm. hope that um, uh, estimates as to the body count for uh, COVID-19 are wildly exaggerated and are exist mainly to keep us scared inside, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Fellas, be careful out there. It's been great, great to spend time with uh, Chris Levine and Brian Grimm on this, I think, episode 7, 8, or 9. We're in the upper single digits at this point, I think eight or nine, of uh, managing expectations, which uh, is going to be hitting a broader audience eventually. Very soon. Yeah. It could could be one of the last testaments of mankind. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, Anyway, fellas, listen, take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and uh, I really dug hanging out with you guys. I hope we can do it again very, very soon. Yeah, me too. All right, Chris, Brian, have a terrific afternoon. Um, Everybody else, there's lots to do. Let's get to work. Work. Thanks, Chris. Take care.